Hey, you know, it's good, it's good to be together and just praise and worship the Lord, right? To sing and, and worship our God together. Uh, but let's be honest, not all of us came this morning wanting to praise and worship God, and not, of us, not all of us, in fact, I would dare say none of us wake up every morning in the, in the span of our life saying, God, I just want to praise you today. I feel like praising you today. This, it's good to be alive, and it's good to praise you today. Uh, let's be honest. Sometimes we don't feel that. Real faith in the real world where difficulty comes uh, is sometimes confusing. Uh, it's frustrating. It's bewildering. And sometimes it's just downright messy. Faith in the real world or faith for the real world is a faith that's filled with messy, messy tension. You know, oftentimes we grew up, if you grew up in a Christian home, you grow up with faith. And faith as a kid is kind of easy. You know, God's this uh, good father, and he, you know, fixes our owies when we fall, and he takes away our bad dreams in the middle of the night when we pray, and uh, he makes our lives better. And then suddenly we grow up, right? And when we grow up, it's not that our faith was bad or wrong, it's just that our faith has to grow up with us. And suddenly our faith hits some, some barriers in our lives. And we find out things like God sometimes lets us down. And by that I mean he lets us down from the expectations that we had placed on him as children. And we find out that uh, life isn't always easy. Sometimes life is really, really hard. We find out that sometimes good things happen to bad people and sometimes bad things happen to good people and and leaves us kind of wrestling with God. God, why this? And God, why did you allow that? And why did you allow that person to die? They were too young. There was so much more of their life that could have been lived. God, why? And we wrestle and we have tension. Faith for the real world is a faith that's filled with tension. And as our faith grows up, sometimes our faith and our world gets rocked a little bit. But here's the thing about faith. Faith grows up by going down. Yeah, I love, I love the Bjorns in the front row every week. We already talked about that. You know, faith grows up by going deeper. By going down, it's like plants in a dry season. When the moisture's not on top, the roots are forced to go down, which actually makes the plant or the tree stronger, but the reason it gets stronger is because there's no water at the surface. And sometimes as we grow up, the water at the surface, it's like the childlike faith, it all of a sudden it dries out and we have to say either we're going to shrivel up and our faith is going to shrivel up or as those tough seasons come, we're going to go down a little bit deeper into, God's, uh, into God and into our faith. You know, uh, Jonah, and we're in a series in Jonah, had a faith that had to go deeper. And as his faith needed to grow up, there was some things about him, and we're going to get into some of this more in the, later in the series, but there were some things about his perspective of God that God said needs to change. And it was something that Jonah so strongly disagreed with God on that he was willing, well, you know the story last week, right? That God said, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh, which was the enemies of the nation of Israel. They were like one of the most brutal empires the history of the world has ever seen, who had done brutal things to Jonah's own people. And God says, I want you to go preach to those people. And Jonah disagreed with God so strongly. When God said, go left, he's like, I'm going right. 
Because here's what Jonah disagreed on. He said, God, I don't want you. I know what you're up to. I don't want you to give those people a second chance. And Jonah needed to come face to face with God's grace in a new way, a way that he had never really fully understood or grasped. But it was such a wrestle, it was such a tension that his faith and his obedience took a hit and he decided to run. And as you know the story, uh, we went through it last week, Jonah you know, goes the opposite way, but God would go with him, right? As Jonah runs, as you and I run, even as we come against these difficult barriers in our faith and we say, God, I can't accept that. God, I'm running. God is a God who runs too. He chases us down and God provided the storm. God sent the storm. He chased Jonah down. He sent the storm and uh, the sailors didn't know what to do. And finally, Jonah, you know, got their attention enough and convinced them. He said, if you throw me overboard, uh, the, the storm will be calmed. And this was an interesting uh, thing that Jonah does because he could have been like, hey, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I'll go back and I'll go to the people of Nineveh. But he was willing to choose death over, you know, saying, God, I think you're right. He, he was so stubborn in his disagreement with God. I, I imagine you've never been that stubborn, but probably most of us have, right? So stubborn. It's like, God, I disagree with you in this situation. And he disagreed so strongly. He chose death over following God's plan. But even as he chose death, did God choose death for him? No. Because the, the scripture tells us, and you have this uh, in your Bibles, the last verse of chapter one. It's now the Lord provided again. God sent the storm and then provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And last week I told you we're gonna find out what happens when you're in the belly of a fish for three days. Uh, Nothing, really. I mean, you're just kind of sitting there. You can't really go anywhere. You're just kind of fish. So I know you were in suspense all week, but that's about as good as I got. But some stuff happened afterward because Jonah, you know, he was able to write some stuff down uh, after he got from that really wet, slimy, you know, area. And uh, he tells us some of the things that went through his mind in the belly of a fish, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles... Actually, you don't. Well, some of you do, but we also gave you sheets. If you have those, it has the scripture, chapter 2 of Jonah. And so we have Jonah in the belly of a fish. And from the belly of a fish, Jonah does this. And I'll read the first six verses. It says this. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And here's the interest. I said earlier, faith is this tension. It's this shaky. It's this, this, this wrestle. In the middle of running from God, Jonah still says, God, you're my God. In the middle of choosing death, rather than saying, God, I'll go your way, he hasn't said, God, I don't think you're not God. He just says, in this wrestle, this tension of my faith, I just don't want to do what you want. I'd rather die than do what you've asked me to. I don't agree. I disagree with you, but I still, I still think you're God. I just think I'm smarter than you right now, right? And we've all done that. We've all done that. That's why we disagree. We're like, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. I disagree with your decision, which is our way of saying, God, I think right now I'm smarter than you. And that's what Jonah does. He still prays to God. But here's some of the, the, the things that he says as he prays. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, this is literally the word Sheol, which is like the place of the dead. I was as good as dead. You listened to my cry. You hurled me 
into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed has wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath bared, uh, barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. Now, just so you know, this is written as a prayer or as a poem, a song. Um, but it's written differently than how we write songs. So you're like, man, that's a really weird song. So the way they wrote poems or songs, the way Jonah wrote this, it had a, a pattern to it. And I'll kind of describe it, and we'll look at it again. But the pattern is A, B, C, B, A. Okay, so that's the pattern of the poem. The way we write songs today generally is like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus, right? It's like that's the pattern. Every song is kind of that pattern. Well, he had a pattern. It was A, B, C, B, A. So A is the first verse that I just read, verse 2, and verse 6. And there's parallels to verse 2 and 6. And I'll read them back to back. You'll see some of the uh, parallels. Verse 2 and 6 says this. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. He answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help, and you listened to me. And verse 6, to the roots of the mountains, like if the mountains were upside down, I went to the top of the bottom, right? I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life from the pit. There's these similarities. This, this, I was going down. I was in the worst of places, and I cried out to God, and God is a God who heard me, who brings me out. So there's kind of this parallel, verse 2 and 6. And then B is verse 3 and 5, and there's a parallel in here too. It says this, you, notice all the you's in, this, uh, in these two verses. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. So this is a picture of this water flowing over Jonah, all these things coming against him. And he says, God, this was from you. And remember, who sent the storm? The Lord. Jonah knew God was chasing him down with the storm. But even still, he's like, I'm still going to choose death over you know, following you. And then verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. He's still in this kind of in the water. Uh, uh, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. That's what it's like to be in the belly of a fish for three days. Okay, Seaweed, you're in the water. All these things are going on. And, and, uh, and so those two verses parallel. And then the middle verse, verse 4, is kind of the, the theme of it all. What he's trying to get at. And here's what he says. I said, so here's what happens. Here's what God has done. And now he says, here's what I said. I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. I have been banished from your sight, meaning, God, you didn't banish me from your sight. I banished me from your sight. I was running. I did not look towards you. I would not look towards you. I had removed my eyes from your sight. I had banished myself because God is always with you but you can choose to run from God, right? He's like, that's what I did. I ran from God. I did this. But because God is always present and God is a God who chases, yet again, I will look, or yet I will look again toward your holy temple. This was Jonah's way of saying, I'm gonna change my mind somewhat. I'm gonna see God's temple. I'm gonna see his presence again. 
And obviously, in that day, God's presence was tied to the temple. Jonah says, I'm going to make it back to Jerusalem. I'm going to be back in the presence of God at the temple where he's at. And then he kind of just wraps this all up with verse 7, 8, and 9. Kind of just ties it all together. And he gets a little bit preachy, which is kind of interesting because he's been the guy running, and then he gets a little bit preachy. Here's what he says. When my life was ebbing away, verse 7, I remembered you. So going back to verse 4, right? Here I'm going to look to the temple again. He's kind of just reiterating the point of all of it, which was verse 4. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your temple. And then he gets preachy. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. They forfeit. Those who turn away from God's presence, those who run from God, they actually forfeit grace that could be theirs. The love of God that is chasing after them. And then Jonah says this, but I, those who cling to worthless idols, they miss out on God's love, but I, I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. So Jonah says, here's the deal, God. I was down in the pit. I was at the bottom of the barrel. I had no place to look but you. You saved me. And now I will keep my vows and I will say salvation comes from the Lord, which is Jonah's way of saying I will preach that salvation comes from you. What he does not, and I don't know if you notice this in the passage, notice what's missing from all of this. Not at one point does Jonah say, I am sorry, right? He doesn't say like, oh, I, I messed up. Sorry about that, God. You're right. He doesn't say that. And this is where I think we see the tension of faith in the mess of the real world. When we come against bruises and hurts and we face death and questions and God does things we disagree with and God asks us to do things that we say, God, I don't want to do that. Faith gets really, really messy and at no point does Jonah say, God, you're right, I'm sorry. He, in essence, says, I will be the true prophet that you called me to be. And a prophet was supposed to speak the word of God. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll preach salvation. In fact, I've experienced salvation. You just saved me. But at no point does he say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you know, it's interesting. From here, Jonah would not go directly to Nineveh. God would have to come tell him again. He keeps his vow this time. He says, I will renew my vows. I'll keep my vows. I'll preach salvation comes from the Lord. But he doesn't say, well, you called me once. I'll just go. Probably he went back to Jerusalem, to the temple, to see God, you know, be in God's presence again. And then in chapter 3, the first thing that shows up, and we'll get to this next week, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. It said, go to Nineveh. So he's like, he had to be told again. It's like, ah, maybe God changed his mind, you know. He's, he knows I'm serious now, right? I was willing to choose death over it. He's, he's not repentant in the way that we think of repentance. He's still struggling He's still struggling with the tension of faith. In fact, real faith for the real world, and this is something I think we have to wrap our heads around a little bit as followers of Jesus. It's not pure faith versus pure rebellion. It's not pure faith versus pure doubt. It's not like you have to choose between doubt and faith. 
Faith and doubt, trust and rebellion sometimes are intermingled in our lives. And we see this in Jonah. Because as we get to the very end of Jonah, and we're not going to get there for a couple weeks, this is never resolved. Jonah's story ends with him still being mad at God. He still disagrees with God. And yet he's a true prophet who preaches what God has said, and he has experienced the salvation that only God can give. And here's the interesting thing about all of that. Although we struggle with this, especially as it relates to others, when it's like, hey, we have pretty good faith. We don't have a lot of doubt or a lot of questions. We don't have a lot of rebellion in our life. And then we look at others and it's like, man, they got a lot of questions and they got a lot of doubt and they got a lot of rebellion. And we're tempted as followers of Jesus to write off other followers of Jesus. But guess who doesn't write them off? God. And we see this in what God does at the very end of chapter 2. Verse 10 says this, And the Lord God commanded the fish... And it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. See, God knew, yeah, we won't get into the specifics of what that looked like. <laughs> Probably there was some seaweed wrapped around the head still at that point too, but you know, God chose to approve Jonah. He wasn't like, you know what? I can find another prophet. You're done. You struggle with faith. You have all these questions. You disagree with me. You're willing to wrestle with me. I'm God. You're out. God doesn't do that. God accepts Jonah with his struggling, shaky, tension-filled faith. and says, even though you're not perfect, I can work with you. See, faith in the real world is not pure faith against or versus pure rebellion, pure faith versus pure doubt. Sometimes they're intermixed and they coexist. It's, it's messy. It's really, really messy. You know, one of the things that is becoming a popular topic, and maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't, a popular topic in today's uh, world is deconstruction or deconstructionism. And uh, typically it's 18 uh, teenagers, young adults, 20-somethings that go through a process of, I think, often their faith growing up. And uh, they deconstruct their faith. All of a sudden, they go to university. And some of you that are in that age group, you face this a little bit probably in your own life. You hear things, and you're like, hey, that doesn't line up with Scripture, or maybe that's different than what I grew up with. And we start questioning our faith. And taken to the negative, it's an intentional dismantling of faith. It's saying, I'm going to find all the evidence I can to dismantle my faith. But I think deconstruction is actually something that isn't necessarily negative. I think maybe we've set it up to be only negative, but I think all of us need to go through a process of deconstruction in our faith. And by that, I mean we need to doubt sometimes. We need to question sometimes. We need to wrestle with God sometimes. Because here's the deal. If you don't wrestle, if you don't doubt, how will your faith ever get stronger? If you don't uh, hit the wilderness at times, if the water is always at the surface and you never go through dry periods, wilderness, how will your roots ever go deeper? I think the Christian life is actually a life of deconstruction. It's God saying, here's the areas of your life that aren't quite right. I'm gonna start tearing those out, and I'm gonna rebuild them. Here's some of the things that you think about me, God would say. 
Here's some things that you think about me, but it's kind of childlike and your faith needs to grow up. And I'm gonna start removing those things. And this was God with Jonah. Here's some things. You think I only care about the Israelites? You think my grace is only for God's people? You have some things wrong about your view of me. And I'm gonna deconstruct that from you. But then I'm gonna reconstruct you. I'm gonna dismantle to repair. Dismantle to repair. Because faith grows up as faith goes deeper. And so I don't think as followers of Jesus, and if you're in your 20-somethings, I don't think you need to fear a little bit of deconstruction. I think you need to doubt, but be willing to doubt your doubts because we all have doubts, but maybe your doubts aren't true either, right? And dive into God's word, dive into what God says and allow him as some of those things that maybe you grew up with that he starts to say, I'm gonna remove this, I'm gonna take this away to allow him to build up the new to grow you deeper in that sense. Faith grows up. I want to say this. Faith grows up by going deeper, and faith grows deeper in the drought or sometimes when it deconstructs so that it can reconstruct. Deconstruct so it can reconstruct. So I want to ask you this morning, um, what about you? And what areas areas of your faith in life are you wrestling with God right now? Where it's like, God, I don't understand And God, I don't want to understand because I disagree. Either with something God has done, something God is calling you to, that you're pushing against. We talked about that last week a little bit. When God calls us to something, we say, God, I want to do it. I'm running from your calling. But sometimes it's some things that God is teaching us that we don't actually want to accept. What are the things that you're wrestling with with God right now? I want to tell you right now, there is room in the faith for your wrestle. There's room. God shows us. There is room in the faith for people like Jonah. And unfortunately, I think in some of our evangelical churches, we wouldn't let Jonah into our church because we don't make room for each other and for us to struggle. The moment we have doubts, we're like, well, I guess I just got to throw everything out. No, you can doubt and still have faith. Doubt and faith can coexist. In fact, I think they should coexist because when you doubt, your faith will be driven deeper. Your faith will be driven deeper deeper. In the Christian faith, faith and doubt, trust and rebellion, belief and questions are not exclusive from one another. They coexist. And in it and through it, God forms us and he builds us and he takes our faith deeper. So what happened three days and three nights in the belly of a big fish? He slept. And in his subconsciousness, he wrestled. And his wrestle didn't stop there. He wrestled with God. And he praised God, even in his rebellion. He said, God, you're still God. I disagree with you. God, you're still God. God, I don't understand, but I will still praise you even when I don't understand. And the tension never really left, at least not in what we're given in the story of Jonah. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.